So today is Friday, August 6th, uh, 2021. This is the Fiction Old and New book group. And tonight we're discussing A Good Neighborhood by Therese Ann Fowler. And what I usually do is, you know, in case anybody has to leave early, I mentioned at the beginning of the meeting and, and at the end of the meeting as well, I mentioned the book for the next month. So next month, we, we always meet on the first Friday of every month. I think it's September 3rd is the, the first yeah, Friday. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and the book we're reading actually just came on part yesterday. It's a book that I've been waiting for because I've heard it's really good. Um, it's called Songs in Ursa Major. I just downloaded it. <laughs> and the author is Emma Brody. And the DB number is 103913. So my understanding is this book is a, a book that talks about the music scene in the 60s and early 70s, and it has characters that are sort of based on Joni Mitchell and James Taylor. It's supposed to be really good. So um, I'm actually looking good. forward to this book. I think it's 10 or 11 hours. Um and I was yeah. I was actually going to read a different book, but then this just came on. I was like, oh, my God, I really want to read this book. So I changed it. <laughs> so anyway, so <laughs> this is the book that we're going to read in September. Um, so what we usually do here is... Um, Sorry. That's okay. Take your time. Um, okay. So what I usually do is I just give everybody a, a little bit of information about the author and I go over some of the main characters just because some of us, you know, read the books a couple of weeks ago and we don't always remember the names. And then we, then I call on everybody one by one. You know, you can tell us what you thought about the book. Um, so it's always a good idea, you know, not, like some people like to review the whole plot. So that's, you know, not really necessary because we've all read the book. So you can just talk about you know, characters you found interesting, issues you found interesting, and really anything that you want to tell us, you know, your feelings about the story. Um, And then at the end, if there's time, you know, sometimes we have like a general discussion, uh, you know, depending on what people, you know, people have more to say. So um, I'll I'll start out by telling you a little bit about the author. Um, So Therese Ann Fowler was born on April 22nd, 1967, And she grew up in Milan, Illinois. Um, She describes herself as a tomboy, and she was actually one of the first girls in the United States to play alongside boys in Little League. I didn't even realize that girls could do this, so I learned something. Um, She she had an early marriage um, that ended in divorce. And as a single mother of two sons, she got a degree in sociology um, and then an MFA in creative writing from North Carolina State University. Um, She's written six novels. Her first novel, A Souvenir, was published in 2008. And her best-known novel is Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald, which was made into a television series. Um, the book that we read for tonight, A Good Neighborhood, came out in 2020, and she's been a teacher. She's taught at North Carolina State University, where she attended, and she's also given fiction workshops, 
and she lives in North Carolina with her husband, who's also a writer. His name is John Kessel. And um, I actually did read her earlier book, Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald. And I have to say I wasn't a big fan of it <laughs> but because I, I, didn't, I didn't really think it was a great historical fiction book, but that's just my opinion. But it's a, pop, it's a really popular book, and um, I know it was made. I didn't see the television series, but I know it was made into a television series. And I'll just go over just the very major characters. Um, there was Valerie, and her son was Xavier. And then there was Brad, who was married to Julia. And then there the two daughters were Juniper and Lily. And then there, you know, there were other characters as well. Um, so I wrote down a couple of issues that I just thought I would throw out there. Um, you don't have to tell me your opinion or tell the group your opinion about these issues. These are just, you know, things that I thought of um, that were interesting to me. So one issue is, you know, what do you think makes a good neighborhood? Um, or, or a good neighbor. And um, another issue, which um, was, this is sort of my own opinion. I don't know if people agree or disagree, but it's interesting to me how there seems to be sort of a generational divide when it comes to racism, um, that a lot of younger people kind of think that we live in a post-racial world, but Older people don't really feel that way, and I wondered if you thought, you know, that 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 was true, that younger people don't see the world in the same way, I guess, as older people, too, when it comes to race. And then the last issue, which I thought was interesting, and it wasn't something that I was really familiar with, was this idea of a purity pledge. Um, And I have to say, I don't particularly think that I subscribe to the idea of a purity pledge, but... I also can understand that there's a certain, uh, I guess, benefit sometimes to young women, you know, feeling like maybe they should wait until they're a little bit older and more mature. Um, so it's not really a moral thing. It's just more of a maturity thing, I think, in my in my case. But I, I found the whole idea of, I, I've never heard of the Purity Pledge, but I thought it was it was interesting. Anyway, so um, let me look at the list of the people, and um, hmm, let's see. Um, why don't we start? Um, how about Liz? What What did you think of the story? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to be really honest. I really struggled with this book. Um, not so much the author's writing style. I thought the narrative of having. Um, it, it, you almost get the impression like the neighbors are telling about the story. They're telling the, the neighbors from the from the neighborhood are telling you what they know. They're telling the story. So that was an interesting approach. Um, but I, I really, really struggled with Brad and just found him disgusting and reprehensible. Um, and I my stomach clenched fairly early on in the book because I knew something was going to happen to Xavier because he was this hardworking, good kid, never got in trouble on his way to really good things. And he was mixed race and raised by a single black mom. There's no way he's going to be able to succeed, you know? And I was quite angry um, that that happened. I, I, I would like to start, you know, seeing 
that painted it as a possibility in, in novel plots that, you know, yeah, he, he was maligned. And, so, and I know, I know reality is that these kids are often, you know, they, they are dealt a bad hand. And I know that. But I think one way to start changing that in people's minds is to tell the story where the nice, hardworking black guy from, you know, from a single parent home that they both, you know, upstanding citizens, that they actually make it in the world. I would really like to see that that start to happen as a beginning to change people's attitudes. Um, so I really, I really can't say that I liked the book. Um, it was it was really difficult for me to read. I mean, there were times where I just wasn't sure I was going to make it, and I just I just you know kept kept plugging through. Um, and I hope somebody can tell me because the end was so confusing to me. Xavier killed Brad before he killed himself, and then in the epilogue we hear that Julia threw Brad out when she found out about what he was doing to to um, to Junior. Yeah. I've got a bone to pick with the author on that because the, the, the author manipulated us the way that scene was written because she wrote it like he was shooting Brad. And then five words later after that scene, it said, but here's what really happened. And, I, and, and that really pissed me off that the uh-huh. author did it that way because I felt very manipulated. And uh, I mean, it wasn't that she said, well, this is what might have happened when she described the scene about him shooting. It, it was presented like it was actually happening. And then it went back and rewound and said, this is what really happened. And, you know, I, I, I didn't appreciate yeah. it. So, uh, but, uh, so, uh, sorry. I no, that's my okay. reaction, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's good, actually. Well, I'm I'm sorry that it was it was a difficult oh, okay. read. Um, I don't I don't I don't think, I read a couple of reviews about this, and I think your reaction was very typical. I think a lot of this book should have trigger hard. warnings written all over it. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people found found it difficult, and it's interesting that you uh, you know figured out that it was Xavier because I actually kept thinking it was going to be Juniper, or I even thought it might be Brad. So. I didn't actually think it was going to be Xavier, uh, but you 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 saw something I didn't see. Um, but anyway, um, Alan, since you mentioned some of your thoughts, why don't we why don't we hear the rest of your thoughts? Uh, we, we, we might as well because you know my, my thoughts are right along the same lines as Liz's because uh, I mean I didn't have any problem. I mean I enjoyed the book while I was reading it and, until I realized what a sucky ending it was going to have because. I mean, let's face it, Xavier was my favorite character in the whole book. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he was Mm -hmm. a a great guy. And, man, I hate people. I mean, hate's probably too strong of a word. But I knew the first time that Brad Whitman walked in and introduced himself as Whitman HVAC, I thought, what a dick, introducing himself Mm -hmm. by his job (laughs) title and stuff like he's Mr. Cool and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I... like I said, I mean the book. The book was well written and, and stuff. But I'm kind of like Liz. It would be nice if if it, if it had a different ending. And uh, and I've already said it really it really pissed me off the way she did the thing with the shooting and stuff. And then he ended up killing himself. And I just I don't know. It just uh, he got such. I mean I understand why he did what he did. He got such a raw mm-hmm. deal. I mean, here was this 
kid that worked hard all of his life was had a music scholarship was going to go to San Francisco, and it all got taken away because of, of, of bread and stuff. And it just mm-hmm. wow, it, it just it, it really it 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 really <laughs> was hard to digest. Yeah, but uh, like I said, uh, like but having said all that, it, it, it wasn't difficult reading it as, as it was as I was going through. I mean. I, I like the mother okay. I mean, Valerie was an okay character, but I mean, pe- pe- people have got to learn that. It, 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 I thought it was a little naive of her on her part to think that she was going to be able to sue. I mean, I agree with her about the tree and everything, but to to think that she was going to be able to sue the man without any kind of repercussions was just idiotic. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that has. I mean. It has an effect on people. I mean, you, you, you can't assume it's going to, uh, you know, they're going to realize, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I was wrong. And it, yeah, we need to settle when I need to pay you the money. So uh, it, it's never that simple. But, uh, uh, but you know, it, you know it, it, it had good characters. And, uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the writing was fine. But it just, I'm a happy ending kind of guy. And I realize it, it's probably good to read books that don't have happy endings every now and then, but this one certainly didn't. So it, so it qualified. So uh, I'm, I'm averaging out there. So thanks. But, uh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The ending was, I can, I can see how people would have very, very strong reactions to this, this ending. And I think you're right about the idea of, of suing a neighbor is, is very tricky. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. I was oh, exactly. I was a little surprised she went down that road. Um, you know, it's 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 hard. I mean, you know, you're living right next door to the person and um, you know, even if their their children weren't dating, it still was a very messy situation. Oh, um Marsha, what what did you think of the book? Uh-oh. Oh, I'm Mr. sorry. Mar- Marsha or did did she leave or are you muted? Oh, she's still, she's muted. She's muted, but she's oh, okay. here. Oh, should I come back to you, Marsha? Okay, um, that's fine. Uh, Joni, um, what what did you think of the book? Well, I agree with Liz and Alan totally. Um, I found myself angry throughout the book. I couldn't stand Brad, of course, who could? I mean... <laughs> What a jerk. I mean, I was ready to, to to do anything I could to get rid of him. I mean, I could, couldn't stand him. How, oh, what an awful, awful person. Um, and, of course, I loved Xavier. He was a hardworking, good kid, tried to do the right thing was smart, was well-mannered, everything. He just, and I just found myself just angry throughout the whole book, uh, mostly at Brad, but also at Julia, Mm -hmm. uh, and and just, um, I, I liked the book, um, I wasn't quite sure of the ending either, and I I had to go back and read. Did he really kill himself? And um, I I and I was glad that he shot Brad, 
Um, all in all, I liked the book, and actually, I think I did read the book uh, about Zelda Fitzgerald, and I think I was, uh, I found it very interesting mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, because Zelda, to me, was a, an unknown, and this book, um, I felt that I really got to know her, and uh, and and I did did really like it. But anyway, back to um, um, this book. I, I just I, I just I really agree with Liz and Alan, and I mean. I just I and just to just to reiterate, I was just so angry through this book. I don't usually get so angry at at, at a book, but um, but if I could have, I would have killed Brad. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, Michelle David was, got his hand raised, just so you'll know. I don't know. Sure. I don't know why. Okay. So. No problem. Um, David, would you like to tell us what you thought about the book? Um, are you talking to me, Michelle? No, he's um, David. David. Okay, David. I, yeah, I just, That's there was okay. a noise I, in my I'm, apartment. I'm sorry. Hi, Jenny. Um, I'm I'm calling on people. I'm going to write your name down uh, so I have you as well. Yeah, I came in late. <laughs> That's okay. David, David, David's got his hand raised and himself muted, looks like. Okay, is Marsha, are you unmuted or you're still muted? Somebody hung up, it sounded like. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so we have David and Marsha are muted. I'm How unmuted about you, now. Ginny? Oh, okay. good. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, David. I was struggling. I didn't know what happened. I had a lot of uh, no, trouble okay. with this. No um, problem. I've been listening to the comments and most pretty much agreeing with them. I did find that these people, they come build their flashy, vulgar house and don't give a flip about old trees, old things, nice things, and they build this vulgar house with flashy furniture. They got on my last nerves. They were mm-hmm. pushy. They were pushy. He did talk to his children and did try to, I guess I have to say that he, it seemed like he did try to be active in his children's lives, but they seemed so overparented, overcontrolled, with piano lessons and with this and that and I don't know it, it was it was interesting in a sense um, but I do I do agree with with everyone who's so far said that it's a shame you know the guy studying classical guitar just didn't make it because of this air conditioner man and I did want to say the um, you know that I did find the narrative voice was a bit trippy with that we found that we like these new people in the neighborhood i mean like you said this we must have been the collective voice of the neighbors i have read two books in this year that did that one was about the um uh she was the um alva vanderbilt it was a book about her and they did that the new york society kept talking about Alva was the most unique, and in another book that recently was Golden Girl by Ellen Hildebrand, and the law, and it was set on, um, I think Nantucket, and they kept doing that. So this must be a trendy thing. I don't know who yeah, comes up with these unique narrative styles, but once one writer does it, they all start jumping in. Just like when one writer wrote about Kentucky live mule libraries, I've seen three books on board now that did that. So yeah. that was all yeah. I have to say. 
Oh, well, yeah, she she was talking about, when I listened to an interview with her, she was talking about how this goes all the way back to Shakespeare. Oh. This sort of con- collective. Greek chorus. Yeah, exactly, kind of, kind of a voice. But I, I agree with you, it was... It was it was kind a little trendy. off-putting. I wasn't yeah. a big fan. Yeah, because it foreshadows. She'll say, and he would late. She would later kiss him and find yes. it. It's like they keep foreshadowing. Sometimes I don't like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, okay, um, Marsha, are you unmuted? I, or? I'm unmuted now. I was. Okay, I, I okay. got a phone no, that's call. Okay. So that's I kind of missed the gist of the no, that's of the okay. conversation. No problem. But. Um, um, uh, go would ahead. You like to tell us what oh, I was going to say. Would you like to tell us oh, uh, sure. what you thought uh, about the book? Sure. Well, I, you know, it was a, it was a most interesting read. I thought. I mean, part of it was. I mean, I uh, I enjoyed reading it. I didn't really care for the fact that Xavier did commit suicide. Um, I, it seemed there there could have been a better way of working working this out. Um, also. I don't know if this has been discussed, but Liz and I were talking about this this afternoon about supposedly Xavier killed um, Brad, but right. there was yeah. nothing mentioned at all. Like it was, this was a dream or a fantasy or whatever. So did, could somebody clarify that for me? Did anybody else, was anybody else confused on that point? Alan, you want me to do it, you you to to do it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't mind, Alan, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. As I said, yeah. I got a forget right. on the phone. Yeah, I mean, I was real pissed at the way the author did that. Yeah. She she wrote the scene, and it looked like he killed Brad. And then 10, 10 words later, right after that scene ended, she said, but here's what really happened. And then and then she undid it. Right. And, and, and so, uh, you know, so... It it, it 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 was a it was a manipulation thing. So he he never really did kill Brad. No, it's like it, it was like it was a a, a a supposition that might have happened, but uh, but ended up not happening. But I, I didn't care for the way the way she presented it. And I, I'm, I was say that I, yeah, I didn't like the narrative the, the narrative form I, either. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I, I was disappointed when he didn't kill Brad. <laughs> I, I was too. But yeah, yeah. another thing. And I, I know young people are very, well, fickle is not the, quite, not the word I'm looking for. Now, what was the, the, the young girl's name? Juniper. 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 I, can never, I can never remember her name. But she it just kind of at the end there, she just said, well, not, she said, Juniper is moving on with her life. And, and uh, Xavier is just kind of a dream to her now. And I'm like, that is just does not make any sense for the feelings that they had for one another. And all of a sudden that she's just totally moving on with her life. And he's just kind of a, a past in her book of life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Definitely. Um, uh, Ginny, what, what did you think? Okay. About I've been, I, um, Got word of the book choice really late, and I was racing up to. I missed maybe the last six minutes of the book. Okay. But um, I have. <laughs> there ha- I am totally. I guess this is what you want in a book club. I totally um, am at odds. I hope I don't antagonize anybody with the book. Okay. I I really really love the book, and um, I did not especially like what I found out later was the we. It's supposed to be like a Greek chorus in a tragedy. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, okay, I, I can get with that. I totally love the book. Now, let me just address one thing that everyone is having difficulty with. I think that the ending the tech, is a technical glitch. That The editor must have had a discussion with her about that. Because, it, you know, the main character um, was just, you know, fabulous. He was still believable, but he was fabulous. Um, so, you know, I think she could have made it clearer that this was just kind of um, him thinking through what might have happened and then pulling back from it. I missed... Okay, why did I love the book? Okay. You guys are angry for a reason. This book was supposed to make you angry. In my opinion, I could be wrong. This is a very powerful critique of a lot of institutions in our society. Agreed. Okay, sexism, um, you know, Julia, all of the characters except for Brad were the victims of their social conditioning, in my mind. Okay? Julia was, you know, uh, desperately manipulated, and the house, of course, I offended. I was offended by that, too. <laughs> but, I mean, and then, um, you know, let's see. Um, Valerie was, um, you know, I guess she was less than a perfect character, but she was certainly admirable in so many ways. That she, You know, her husband died. She devoted her life. And then um, all of the characters... As far as I can remember, all of them right now, because I just finished the book a few minutes ago, I felt great sympathy for. And then I talk, thought about Brad, and I thought about, okay, here's the one where, despite everything, he ends up being a sociopath in my mind, you know. And, um, you know, the way he objectified his, his stepdaughter was the way he objectified most people, kind of pawns in the game. And I thought the author made that very clear. And then the justice system, you know, how the power is so much in the hands right now, the power inequities in our society. I mean, they're everywhere, you know. And um, I was involved in a case once, and so I'm kind of, this was, okay, why did I like the book? I like the book because I thought the author did a wonderful job of connecting me with characters, in each character, there there was a lot of passion and caring. You know, um, there was passion for nature, passion for learning, passion for music, all the wonderful things in life. And Brad, his passion seemed to get sort of corrupted, or he was corrupted, or, you know, I mean, everyone else I kind of felt sympathy for. Of course, I was appalled by a lot of things that, um, you know, the pure thing, to me, uh, it shows you it had good intentions. Okay, Julia just kind of was went along. She'd had a traumatic time, you know. Um, I can't go on and on because there's so many things in here that resonated with me. But one of the things that made the book enjoyable for me was just how the the sense of caring that people had, even if it went astray. Now, Brad, you have to put him on one side. Okay, he was objectifying and manipulating people you know, for his own self. And um, remember, oh, one of the characters I adored was Lottie, you know, the eccentric mother. Um, I I thought she was adorable. And she was one of my, you know, I love that character. And she said to uh, Julia early on, now, now wait, hold up here, you know. And um, she was a riot, I thought. And 
there was a lot of heart in this book, and that's why I really liked it. I started out thinking, okay, this is another family saga. I mean, it's going to be ho hum, or I'm not going to. But this was a, to me, this the author wanted to piss you guys off. She and she did apparently. The only flaw I have with this book is that the technical ending was confusing and it could have been made more clear with a couple sentences. I don't know the end of the book because I missed like the last 10 minutes. I was scrambling to get it ready. But I really like this book better than any I've read in a long time because if you're going to write a book commenting on society and institutions and power inequities and sexism and racism, you can make something really preachy, sure. But, I mean, this is a powerful book. And, I mean, I know I have a minority opinion here, but I'm guessing it's going to be made into a really powerful movie. I could be wrong, and that's why we have book clubs, you know? And I so that's it. it. That's right. <laughs> that's end of my well, speech that, there. No, that, that's great, actually. Um, Deanna, would you like to tell us what you thought about the book? Well, I found the ending kind of disturbing because... Um, I thought that they should have given Juniper a chance to get back and say her piece. And because that's what she wanted to do when she was being manipulated. Yes, but she was smart enough to figure it out and want to get back to to find out what was happening because it didn't make sense to her. And if she had gotten it back in time, I think she might have been able to to get her mother to listen to her. Because I think her mother was already a little bit uneasy, you know, like him buying the daughter that that expensive car. Mm-hmm. And um, so on some level, her mother would have been worried about something because her relationship with her husband wasn't going well at that time. And she must have been aware of it. Um, so they never got... To to deal with, to confront that with the mother and daughter in an honest talk and maybe grandma putting her two cents in there because she was a pretty smart old gal. Um, And I think that that might have changed the flow of the book a bit and he wouldn't necessarily have had to die. You know, I don't, I don't like tragic endings just to have tragic endings, I guess. (laughs) Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, because he was, yes, he was overwhelmed and stuff, and his mother was distracted, but she wasn't paying attention, and Julia wasn't paying attention. Kids are very vulnerable at that age. I know, you know, watching my own two daughters go through their late teens was painful for me too (laughs) it was painful for them it's painful for for me um my older daughter made the decision in high school that she was not going to get involved with a high school boy because she said I want to go to college I need to get an education and I can't get you know sidetracked um it would be too easy. So what she and her best friends did is they made a clique of, of four very um, high-functioning academic girls that were also pretty and very active in school activities that they would not date a single person, that 
what they did was they ran in a group and they would come and sit at my kitchen table and one would say to the other, okay, Scott took me last time, so he'll take you and I'll go with David. And they would, they had their clique of boys that followed them around because they were pretty and fun, but they worked it out between the four of them that they were not going to get their futures messed up by getting too um, stuck on one boy. As long as they had a, a boy to take them to a dance, they would call the boys up and say, okay, you're taking Angie and she's wearing pink. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, and, and the guys would, would, would agree to with it because they were always thinking of fun things to do. And they were um, smart enough not to get themselves into a situation where their hormones could take over, you know, because they they read all the books, too. They knew that stupid things can happen and, you know, they didn't go in for drinking or using drugs. They were all smart, pretty girls that and they are still friends um, now as adult women, some of them with, you know, families and um, they still have a joint page on, on that they all drop in and, and keep up with each other. And some of the guys are still involved in the group, even though they're married and they'll get together every year or two as a group for um, some activity, you know. Um, and it worked for them. Um, my younger daughter was very shy and she got swept off her feet and ended up not going to college and marrying this big man on campus that was an athlete and good looking and charming and everybody loved him. And he ended up leaving her with three small children when her youngest was two weeks old and going to prison for 20 years. <laughs> you know, so, you know, wow. Things can happen to kids, and their parents have to pay attention. And I missed, I missed catching on to what was happening with my younger daughter, and I really paid a price for it. You know, not because she was the quieter of the two, the one that didn't talk and didn't let you know what was on her head. Yeah. I, I, I actually found the issue with the purity pledge really, really interesting. Creepy. It was not, really, <laughs> it was not something I, I had ever really thought about, certainly not as a teenager, but that, that's, that's, that's interesting what you're, what you're sharing about your daughters. Um, Alice, I think you are, um, are you, is this your first time at, at any book group or, or just this one? Um, it's my first time, I think, at this book group. Okay. Um, someone yeah, I, needs I to mute that's making being... a lot of racket. Who, who's, ra- who's rattling? Not me. Not me. Yeah. It stopped. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, welcome, Allison. Would you like to tell us what you thought about the book? Well, I was with Ginny on that. I'm sorry, I probably should have been muted. Sometimes they do muting and sometimes they don't, depending on what book club you're in. So, sorry about that. Uh, I was with Ginny. Uh, just so you know, we, we generally don't mute, but if you're going to be making noise, then oh, you okay. mute yourself. Like I, I, we don't generally just you know blanket mute everybody and then unmute them as everybody talks. Okay, um, that's but fine. But if you know you're going to be like cooking while you're on the phone or something, then it would be good <laughs> to mute yourself. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I really liked the book. Um, I mean, there were parts I didn't like, and but I, I'm primarily with Ginny. Uh, I really liked the book, and I thought I thought she was that the author was supposed to make you angry. I mean, that that I think was her one of her goals. Um, as far as the purity pledge, I've read about that. Um, it's it. I don't know whether it still happens. I guess it does. But in certain Christian circles, um, that's a thing that fathers and daughters do. Um, I wouldn't, but, you know, I know that happens. But I thought it was so interesting that I think he... I think Brad did it just because they had gone to this church and he wanted to keep up appearances and because they were with this church and that was kind of expected. Um, and I thought Julia was really so wowed by Brad basically rescuing her and Juniper that she let a lot of things slide that she might not have otherwise. But I think she didn't want to lose what she had, even though she had some concerns toward the end. Um, my favorite character was the younger daughter. I thought she was really adorable, and she didn't let anything get to her. She just kind of lived her life. But I really liked Xavier as well. Um, but I'm not surprised. Well, I shouldn't say... I guess I was surprised he killed himself, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility as far as <clears throat> excuse me as far as I was concerned but i really i really i guess I can't say I enjoyed the book, but I really did like the book oh good i'm glad I'm glad to hear that actually well you you actually answered my question because i'm I'm not Christian and I had never heard of a purity pledge, and maybe this is something that's done in Christian communities, and maybe it is. Why yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I've, I'm. I'm Jewish, and I actually never heard of this before. I, I, was I think like, it's a I, relatively I, new thing, though. I mean, I don't think it's been going yeah. on forever and ever. I think it's relatively yeah, I'm, new. Well, I'm. I'm and a I think it's usually pretty it. conservative Christians. Yeah, I mean, there are all no. kinds of Christians, and you know, I, I don't mean, really if you. Think Excuse me, Mrs. Jenny. I don't really think. First of all, this book reminded me of something that might have been based on um, an actual case. Okay, because there's something about it, but I could be wrong. But I think with a purity pledge, that's somewhat exaggerated and satirical. I could be wrong. I mean, I've read a lot about of Christian um, certain Christian groups taking traditional traditional points of view, and this may be true. Um, I think. In this case, we haven't talked about the um, pedophilia aspect, which was very subtle, but, I mean, you know, it seemed to me that Brad was on a lot of, a lot of the problems with, I guess, bad behavior sometimes is we're just not aware of our motives. You know, like Julia, um, as far as I know, at the end, she completely trashed Brad, but I can't remember that. But, I mean, she left and was horrified. But she, I, I, I think she was had such a hard time that she didn't see the pitfalls of the purity pledge, which it's wonderful to say, you know, sex is a powerful thing, wait until you're able to handle with it, handle it, and let's have an abstinence. And I've heard of abstinence pledges. But the purity pledge to me was satirical, exaggeration, but it could be wrong. But the problem I have with that is um, her mother and her father were really uh, robbing, they really wanted her to stay home. 
And I was appalled and aghast by that. You know, my sister went to, my mom was very close to her two daughters. She was a single mom. And um, she probably would have preferred that my sister stay home, but she went to UC San Francisco. And um, the the situation, you know, with... with, um, with Juniper was really sad because her mother, um, in saying, "Okay, my main role in life, I see this. I see this as a real pitfall of saying your your um, role as a wife and mother is your only thing." Because then, when the children leave the nest, what what you have? And you know, she was really threatened by the thought of um, Juniper going off and creating her own life. And so that, to me, is sometimes a pitfall of this motherhood is everything kind of thing. But that goes back to, you know, a lot of people have written and commented on that. But I don't think the purity purity pledge, as it was presented in the book, is a real thing. I think that might have been I believe it is, actually. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, I'm pretty pretty sure that it is. I think I've read about it. Um, I just wanted to say I'm not sure that I didn't find Brad's pedophilia subtle at all. Yeah. I think it was right out there. Yeah, um, I but I wanted to comment on Michelle's uh, other, uh, about a post-racial world. I think that for our, the younger generation, things like interracial dating, interracial marriage, that's really not a big deal. Um, but I, I think that they're aware. They're certainly aware of the inequities uh, among the races. And, and I think that the Black Lives Matter uh, protests last year that were really made up of a very, very good mixture of both black and white people kind of demonstrate that. So I think people are aware that it's not a post-racial world, but I think that some of the things that older generations held as taboo and stuff have fallen off, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. I do worry about people who say we're beyond racism because we're not. And no. if you think it's gone, then we, what do you, you know, you, you, you need to stand up and fight for it because it's not, it's still a problem. So yeah. anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah. The purity pledge, this is Allison. The purity pledge is a real thing in certain circles. Um, for instance, like I suspect if you, know anything about focus on the family. I think they would subscribe to that. Now, I could be wrong, but it is a real thing. I don't think it was meant to be satirical. I think it really does happen. I can't imagine why, but it does in certain circles. It reminds circles. me of, of when I was younger and people would stress abstinence as, as you know, but they meant it, I think, for, for boys and girls. But more particularly for girls, so mm-hmm. it was kind I, of I, like yeah. yeah I believe I mean, that that's what it, the intention is. But Brad, yeah. I mean, Brad was sounding like you know she pledged her virginity to him. I mean, right. yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, very creepy. It was disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it really was. I mean, it was very creepy. I guess I never really thought, and I don't know why it never occurred to me that stepfathers would have these kind of feelings about their stepdaughters. And I, I imagine that that's probably not the most uncommon thing that they would have those feelings, but it just, it's so creepy to think about. <laughs> it sure is. Well, it, it is, is creepy, really but is. you know what? You know. I, 
having done this work, I mean, it's, yeah, stepfathers do, but certainly not all stepfathers by any stretch. And so do, no. so do biological fathers. I'm just going to put it out there. Biological fathers, some of the really perverted ones have the same kind of attitudes about their daughters. So it's not just a stepfather thing. And mm-hmm. we don't have to go there. It's ugly. It's disgusting. And I'm so glad I don't have to do that work anymore. But yeah. <laughs> thanks. So, yeah. Michelle, can I make another comment about uh, yeah. around the around the one of the other characters we hadn't really talked about that I really liked was Tom, I guess, uh, the Xavier's yeah. father and, and oh. Valerie's husband. And I, I just knew they kept making references. To, you know, we knew he had died. And I just kept thinking, okay, Jackson, Mississippi, right? I know. That he's going to get Wait, killed When they by got up to that part in the book, I thought yeah. about you. I said, Alan is going to react to this. You know? uh, uh, he's going to yeah. get killed by a bunch of rednecks in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> no, it was the furniture that killed him. So there we go. Even, even our furniture down here are racist. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, uh, but he was trying I to get away from his that part in the book, I said, oh, no. I said, Alan is not going to like this at all. Yeah, my, my, my grand. My grandfather on my mother's side's name was Brooks. I mean, it was his uncle. Brooks was such an asshole. Yeah, And was talking to him so ugly. And, and I've got a nephew named Brooks, too. So I thought, I'm thinking, oh, great. This is just great. But uh, we're, we're, we're not all like that down here. So I just I don't know. Yeah. I, guess. I, I remember. Furniture. I like that. I remember, I remember yeah. Alan, one time, um, you mentioned in some context, I don't know, it might have been a brief email when we were talking about something about Christmas World that you said, well, Mississippi may be one of the least progressive states in, in the United States. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely that. Yeah, so, and, but, uh, 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 and I thought, but I, but I, also, I also thought, could this, the setting of the book is important because um, obviously maybe this, the guy that um, came by and injured, um, you know, Xavier was. You know, that whole setting, I think it was in North Carolina, may have been a little more, um, you know, retro and less progressive, possibly, than some other settings. The author could have, you know, some remnants of, I think, what Liz was saying. Yeah, this is getting, you know, things are changing so fast. I had a friend of mine saying, gosh, she was in her 20s, and I never thought of it this way. I said, I never thought we'd have so much social change. I never thought we'd have same-sex marriage. She said, oh, yeah. These days, with my friends, if they say they're gay, we say cool. <laughs> it's just, you know. That's so, amazing. but not in every part of the United States, probably. You know, is there social change? You haven't uh, lived in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, living in Missouri, um, my uh, youngest granddaughter, she'll be twenty um, later this month. When she was in junior high, she was. Um, a little dancer. She loved to dance. She loved movement. And she got harassed so much at school by the other kids. I swear junior high is, is hell. Oh, it <laughs> so is. Oh, I watched I you. You know, generation after generation and my family hit it and get lost. Um, it's worse than going off to college, you know, where your parents aren't there to make you go to bed and eat properly and, you know, <laughs> avoid drugs and alcohol but um she got teased and harassed so much that she ended up having anxiety attacks because she wasn't interested in boys um so then she got accused of being gay and when they found out that she was a dancer boys came up to her at junior high and 
asked her if she lap danced and she didn't even know what that meant. And, you know, it was just awful to be a little 12 year old little girl who wasn't ready to um, have a boyfriend and, you know, all of this stuff. And I just think the kids are being pushed too young to go, you know, to be fast, too fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was looking for jeans for my girls when they were six and seven, they had little girls' jeans with embroidered pockets that said sassy chassis on them. And I'm going, oh, Oh, dear. And I'm like, no, so, that's that's terrible. Like they used to have, they're not popular anymore, but they used to have the juicy couture and they would mm-hmm. have the word juicy right across your bottom. My two nieces used to wear them and I used to just cringe because I would just think to myself, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know what all the men are thinking when they yeah, see these horrible. young girls Whoa. with that. And, you know, but they don't realize, they don't realize, you know, really what it, what it means a lot no, of times. No, because, so. you know, when my little sister was 11, she was developed and she was very pretty and she'd walk down the street and guys would walk into trees because they'd be watching her. Um, and she thought it was funny, but she was still jumping rope and playing with Barbie dolls. You know, yeah. so I really think that it, um, the, the, we give our girls and boys such mixed messages. I remember sitting my son down because he asked me, Mom, why do girls come up and like play with the buttons on my shirt? Don't they know it makes me so nervous I can't talk? <laughs> and I told them, well, honey, sometimes some little girls think the only way they can get attention is, is to be provocative. And they don't understand what they're doing. And if it bothers you, tell her, please stop that. You're making me nervous. You know, and and I said, I really don't want you to take advantage of some little girl's low self-esteem just because she doesn't know how to behave like, like a lady. You know, I I think it hurt me. You know what? It's it's, it's tough being a boy. It's tough being a girl. It is. It really is. Getting to adolescence sane is is awful. Yeah. I mean, you know, in this one, I thought Juniper actually really wasn't, you know, she was so uncomfortable around her stepfather. Like, she kind of sensed what he was, what was going on and... You know, she. I don't think she really was provocative. Actually, oh, she wasn't she, intentionally. She really wasn't. I mean, you know, obviously, yeah. if you're young and you're pretty and you're attractive, you know, your people notice you. But mm-hmm. you know, it's not. That's not. You're not being provocative. You're just being who you are. Yeah, so, and well, she obviously yeah. wasn't asleep when he kissed her. I mean, she yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah, but that that's a tough one. I mean, you know, like, yeah. do you want to tell your mother what, what's happening? You should, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's such awkward an when you situation. don't have that, that relationship where you can talk honestly back and forth. That's true. You're right. And that's that. the tricky part because yeah. we are so busy that we don't realize how vulnerable that age group is. Right. She may have had some comfortable talking about that. I mean, it sort of depends on your relationship too. Like you know, some I think some mothers are busy, but some mothers I don't think you could really talk to them. 
<laughs> about that. They just yeah. wouldn't understand. So yeah. it's, it's hard. Juniper may very well have been confused. She may have, you know, you know, she was going through adolescence. Your hormones are all over the place and you're not in control of them. So she may have felt confusion and guilt about that. But yeah. nonetheless, it was he was the adult in this equation and he was totally yeah. responsible. So I, that, that's probably another reason she didn't talk about it because she was confused and guilty, felt, felt guilty about that confusion. Now, we don't really know why he was the way he was. Like, we didn't get enough of his backstory, really. I don't care. I know. I mean, I don't matter. think it makes a difference either, but we no. got a lot more of the other characters' backstories than him. Yeah, I and it was. I just thought him. he was just a horrible person. <laughs> so. You know, and we were talking about the kids and genes and stuff, and I think... I think we have uh, the marketing and everything. We've we've sexualized kids at such an early age; they can't be kids. Well, you know, all, when you watch actresses in the fifties, they were pretty sexualized too. Like, yeah, I think a yeah. Lot of times people talk, but if you think about like Marilyn Monroe and Ava Gardner, and you know, they were Jane Russell. Lana I Turner. mean, they were pretty sexual. Looking oh yeah, but I mean, so. in terms of of marketing, and and what's what's on TV. I mean, you watch some of these shows, which I try not to, but um, and you see these family uh, family shows. I mean, shows that have families in them. And if I had talked that way, and people had talked that way, my mother would have had a coronary, you know. But it's normal now. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's more, it's more, I think people are, you know, in a way I think it's good and in a way I think it's bad. I, I certainly can remember, I always remember the first time I ever heard anybody talk openly about being raped. And I know when I was younger, like, if that happened to you, nobody would ever talk about it. It was like the biggest mm-hmm. secret in the world. It was the most shame. And I actually think it's a lot better when people talk more openly. And I agree. And share. Yeah. So I think in that sense, you know, some of these issues that people talk about now, it's good. But, you know, I think there is a lot of pressure on young women. But it's interesting because I have two nieces who are both, like, in their early uh, 20s. And both of them... They like I was talking to my brother about this the other day. They really don't date the way that like we did when we were younger. They go out in groups together, and one of them has a boyfriend now, but it's like she's 22 and it's her first boyfriend. And I was actually really happy to hear this because I know when I was younger, like you know, you would go out, you'd start dating when you were like 16 or something like that, um, and. Sometimes it wasn't always the greatest thing, and I, I kind of like the way they go out in groups now. And they and he, my brother was telling me that they kind of wait a little bit now till they're older to date. Like they don't really date in high school the way they used to. Well, and I think that's a good thing. I do too, yeah, actually. I do too, definitely. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was sort of a trend and whatever, but I mean, I don't know that this applies to everybody, but I thought 22, your first boyfriend, wow. <laughs> you know, it seemed late to me. Well, they are, yeah. it seems like, though, today, these days, they are waiting longer to, to get into relationships. And a lot of times nowadays, uh, people don't, well, even if they get married, it's not till like late 20s, early 30s. Mm. Yeah. Yep. true. Yeah, my oldest daughter didn't marry till she was over 30 because she was getting her education. She was, you know, doing she got all the way through her master's. And um, she said, the men I meet are just not mature enough. 
<laughs> they're okay to go to a movie with or to go dancing with. But she says, you wouldn't want to tie yourself to any of these clowns. They're, they're just kids. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know what they want. They don't know where they're going. So why should I waste my time? She sounds, she sounds pretty smart, actually. So, do you do you all have an opinions on what makes a good neighborhood or what makes a good neighbor? Well, I thought that in a way, if this was a good neighborhood before the the wealthy people came in and started mm-hmm. messing it up. Mm-hmm. But I also thought that they were not really standing with Julia. Well, her one friend was with, you know, as far as the, the tree goes, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm so bad with names these days, but, uh, but wasn't she the one that was having her, you know, like, uh, do go to the, uh, go to the city, go to, you know, Helen, uh, the ha- Haitian American. Yes. Helen, the- yeah, oh, she was standing yeah. with, yeah. she was standing yeah. with Valerie. Yeah. 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 But I mean, most of them were just sort of, uh, kind of putting their hands behind their back and going, well, well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tree. <laughs> yeah, like, get over yeah. it. It's a tree. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a nice tree. It was a six foot in diameter. It was old. Yeah. It was yeah. an old tree. It wasn't just it, some it, old it was scrub just, pine. No, it no. was an old oak tree. It was that a nice taken tree. Forever. And he flim flamped and got his friend to wiggle past the. Um, they got a, a special w- waiver or whatever to put to go and mess everything up to build a, a humongous house that sat on the lot that was too big for the lot it sat on. So vulgar. right, that's what you call arevist and nouveau riche. Mm-hmm. No, no class. <laughs> vulgar. And I think some of her neighbors um, thought she was kind of weird because of her attachment to the tree and the earth and, and that sort of thing. Um, they weren't like Brad, thank goodness. But, you know, I think people kind of scratched their head and said, you know, we like her, but why is this so important to her? But that is, I think that that is the essence of a good neighborhood is we all have our wacky neighbors. I may be one of them that people think is kind of wacky, but you know, you support, (laughs) (laughs) you support each other, you accept each other. Um, you know, when, I mean, I'm convinced I live in a great neighborhood. We have a lot of diversity here, not as much as I would like, but we, you know, there's, there's a lot of diversity in people who live here. And during the COVID crisis, we have a, we have a Facebook neighborhood page and every day people were saying, Hey, I'm going out to this store or I'm putting in an order. Does anybody need anything? We had a couple of people that contracted COVID and, you know, people were, you know, they'd say, hey, is anybody going out? Could you please get me this? And people were doing it. And, That's you know, awesome. when, when people go on vacations, they, they say, hey, I need somebody to watch my dog or, you know, come and watch my feed my cats. And we do it. And it's this is a, you know, uh, uh, oh, gosh, the the it's an older building. I mean, our, our homes were built in the 40s, but it's, you know, it's a con, it's a you know, considered one of the nicest, you know, nicer condominium complexes because there's such history here and, and people, it's a, it's a privilege to live here. We love it. We love it here. And we, we, you know, so I, I think that that's part of it. It is, you know, everybody gets to live their life without fear of judgment or retribution. Um, and, and everybody has their, like, you know, <laughs> we respect each other's flowers and, you know, you just, I don't know. I, 
you just reach out and you're, you're neighborly. I don't even know my neighbors, but, you know, <laughs> what, what, I mean, I, what, I don't know makes, their names necessarily, but. What, what makes a good neighborhood is what makes, you know, what makes a good person. You, you want a neighborhood of people that are, that have empathy and they love and love their neighbors as they love themselves. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, I hate to trivialize it, but I mean, that, that's what it takes. I mean, you, you got to be kind to your fellow man, women, whoever, and and, and you've got to be empathetic all the time and try to you know put yourself in other people's shoes and be kind to one another. I mean, it's not hard. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's really not hard. It, it, conceptually, it's not hard. Uh, I actually. Practically, it must be very hard because people are are self-absorbed and they they think about themselves mainly. It seems like, but I, I'm glad you I, better I, than yeah. they think that they're better than other people are, and that is yeah. so awful. They yeah, just it, it, it sounds like you got you got a good neighborhood, Liz. That's great, especially. The, that they hadn't gone in and raised all the old stuff to put up new trashy stuff like they did in this book and stuff. So that's right. That, that, yeah, that, I want to move nice. to your neighborhood, yeah. Liz. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh, it's it's a very nice. It's a very nice area over there, and it's 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 mostly pretty. You know, and it's pretty quiet. It's, it's modest. I mean, I'm, it, it, we don't. Yeah. Our houses are like maybe you know seven eight hundred square feet. I mean, they're small. We we kid ourselves, but you know, we live in little doll houses. You know. <laughs> But we love it. Everybody loves it here. <laughs> and, and only and only one bathroom too, which is right. You know, only one bathroom. Just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that just doesn't happen these days, you know. But. I have never in my life lived in a house with more than one bathroom, though. I really haven't. So, oh well. Anyway, enough about my neighborhood. But I think I live in a good neighborhood, and that's it is, you know, it's a very nice yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. you always have your clinkers, but you know most most everybody. Okay, I have to know what what state are you in? <laughs> in California, I'm in moving. Michigan. Moving. I'm moving. in Michigan. Okay, in California, mm, I would say there's there's on the surface a lot of friendliness, but there's a lot of transients, and I don't know. Um, I think it just it, it depends on uh, a lot of factors. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of that expression? Good fences make good neighbors. I uh, kind of go along with that in a way. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do I, too. I live in New York City, and I, I kind of I, I kind, I'm very envious when you're talking about Liz the way you live because people tend to just be very superficially friendly but don't really want to get to know their neighbors. I think because we all live in an apartment building and the walls are thin and you actually know a lot about your neighbors just from hearing them <laughs> and stuff like that. And I think sometimes people are, are very cautious about it. Like I, I noticed that if you have children, a lot of the people who have young children get to know each other because they know each other from the school. Oh, play dates, yeah, um, right. But in like in, but there's really not a, like we don't really have a community room or anything like that where you can meet other people. So I'm sort of envious. I grew up in the suburbs and we knew all our neighbors, and I think that's really lovely. You know, when you can ring somebody's bell and ask for help, or you know, if you need to borrow something or whatever. Um, so it's nice actually to have that community feeling. I. I I I kind of like that idea of it. I mean, I understand when you live in a crowded place, it's hard to have it. People are not as trusting. And also the other thing is a lot of people live alone in a city, 
And I think when you live, it's different if you live with a family or as compared to when you live alone. When you live with a family, you have children, there's children next door, people tend to be a little friendlier. And if you live alone, a lot of times people are nervous to invite somebody in. Like yes. they don't really know who they're dealing with. So it, sound, it sounds really nice, the building that you live in. I would like to live in a building like that, actually. So it's nice. Well, I, I live, um, my husband died a, about a year ago, April, and I live by myself. And I know there's there's one neighbor that I've kind of gotten to know, and if I ever really needed something, um, I could call her. But, but as far as um, really getting to know people, I think although they're not neighbors, as in they live down the street, around the block. My Sunday school class would be the people that I would think of almost as my neighbors because I know that I could call any of them if I really needed something and they'd respond. So um, that part is really good. You know, when I was taking an English class, I can't remember, I think it's Ellen Goodman who wrote an essay this about 10 years ago. said, the people who are proximate or near to us are not, are, are not necessarily our community anymore. That's true. Our communities might be a work community or uh, maybe a community of people with, uh, well, blind people. (laughs) Yes. Or a community. Uh And so, you know, um, this was really a shock to me because these people live next door, okay? And, 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 you know, I expected that we'd have some social contact because it's always been the norm, but they never introduced themselves. And, I mean, it's really kind of weird. They have two dogs. And I never, I don't think we've exchanged more than three words with them, which is highly unusual. Maybe the COVID had to do with more isolation. But um, I, I don't know. I think um, it, it really depends a lot. And then um, a friend of mine who was blind, actually, she was kind of the social leader for her um, building. I mean, she was really, if you live in a building where one person wants to see everybody, uh, you know, relate, that can be helpful, although it can also be we had one neighbor who really, a lot of people moved out because she was so abrasive. So I don't know. I think Ellen was saying the people that we live near are not necessarily our communities anymore, which is interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, li- I live in a mobile home park, and there are some of us who have been here for years, but recently in the past four or five years, they kind of changed things up about here. And they sold the, the the people who owned it sold it, and this, this other uh, uh, company bought it, and they moved in all these other um, mobile homes, and they're renting them out now. Before everybody had to own their own place, but now we've got all these new mobile homes in here, and I think it's a lot of uh, uh, government-supported people. And so we don't know that the people that we used to, you know, a lot of them moved away, the older uh, folks. So um, it's kind of like a brand new neighborhood. And we all really don't know each other all that well, except for the group who's been here, you know, since the mid 80s or whatever. So it's, it's kind of a whole different transition these days. Yeah, that's the way it is in our neighborhood. When, um, when my husband and I uh, bought this house about 14 years ago, there were people that had lived there in in this neighborhood for quite a while. But as they got older, um, 
you know, they, they died and, and it has really become a neighborhood more of renters, which I'm not thrilled about because that, you know, you never get to know people and they come in and they come out, but, um, it originally was not that, but that's, that's hard. Yeah, that's the way it was here. I mean, and people stayed, you know, but then finally they would, they would, uh, you know, sometimes they would buy a house. But I know, I know people who have lived here 35, 36, 37 years, same place and whatever. But now people, they just kind of come and go, you know, so. Yep. It's, it's a whole. Well, different. I think we're a more mobile society than we used to be anyway. Yep. You know. Yeah. Although, well, guys, I'm going to have to say good night. I'm going to have to go. Aunt Aunt right, Tony, did you right. want to mention right. Banquet of Books for Sunday? Yeah, Banquet of Books is Sunday. It's uh, the second Sunday of the month. If you haven't been there, come in. It's um, um, Alan sends out reminders. Um, I sent out the newswire tonight, actually. So, yeah. Oh. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, and yeah. it's a lot of fun. People love to come into my banquet, and I welcome you to come because I always was so afraid that nobody would come. And I see they're all alone. <laughs> it never but, happens. You, you have to never so many people every time. I haven't been involved, but um, you just talk about, not just, but you talk about books you're reading or right. is it uh-huh. specific yeah. about books? Anything yeah. that you want to talk about. And you get some um, great book suggestions. It's awesome. Ah. And you come in, uh, and uh, I don't want a 10-page book report. A three- to five-minute summary is fine. Um, we like to know, the, uh, of course, the title, the author, if there's a book number, or where you got the book. And um, uh, so it's... It's, um, what was I going to say? Well, my, sometimes my brain doesn't work too well, but anyway. Are they limited to barred books or is, is no, it share? No, anywhere. no. Okay. It can be Google or Kindle or, or any place. Okay. And Sunday at, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, so. Okay. I'm um, sorry, Al, what did you say? Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, I'm saying. Oh, right, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. you have the book, Joni, for next time, right? Yes, I, I put it on okay. my I, I need the, the number again. Yeah, me, I yes. do. That's okay. I'm going to just mention it again. So the, the book for next time is called Songs in Ursa Major, and the author is Emma Brody, and the number is 103913. And it's supposed to be um, about like the musical scene in the 60s and early 70s. There's supposed to be characters that are based on Joni Mitchell and James Taylor, you know. So for me, it's kind of nostalgic. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I would would like to, and I've heard it's very good. I've heard from a couple of people it's really, really good. So it just came on board yesterday, and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to pick it for September. So I think it's about 10 or 11 hours. Um, so that, you know, it's not, not too long a book. And, and we meet on the first Friday of uh, each month at 8 o'clock and Eastern I, time. And I, and I got your newswire, uh, Michelle, and I'll send you that. Oh, yeah, no, too, don't, so, no so, rush. Yeah, no, I yeah, just, yeah, I just yeah. take care of it the same day so yeah. I don't forget. That's all. Um, and one last, thing I, one, one last thing I wanted and, to say about the book oh, I'm was. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. That's all, that's all right. Uh, I like the, 
the girl's name in this, Juniper, and there was a mm-hmm. song by a, an artist named Donovan back oh, in the Jennifer 60s. Oh, Jennifer Juniper. Yeah, Jennifer Juniper. Juniper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a cool the, the, the song. I always, always like that song. So yeah, I, I was glad they song. didn't. <laughs> I was glad they didn't shorten it to June or Junie. Well, or, they did. Know. They called her June or Junie sometimes. And did I they? That, yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I didn't, oh, but, that uh, didn't bother me. But, yeah, they, yeah, they did. But not often. Yeah, I, like, nice, I like your name. name. So. Actually, it's not yeah. a name mm-hmm. you hear that often, but it's a really beautiful yeah. name. It is. Yeah. And well, Alan, care, Alan, do you everyone. want to mention your book for uh, Worlds of Books? Yeah, we make uh, a, a week from Tuesday at Worlds of Books at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and we're discussing uh, Two Girls Down by Louisa Luna. So uh, it, 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 if you like women characters that kick butt, read the book. Because that was a good book. <laughs> And I, I I downloaded the sequel also, and I I had it, 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 it's good too. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I she, was, she was really tough. I'll tell you, that was one yeah, tough character. Yeah, yeah I, 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 like, I liked her. She I've never really met her. anybody in real life as tough as she was. It was amazing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it was a fun read. I thought so. Well, good. I hope hope y'all can come and discuss it. So. Well, well, good night, everyone. Take thank care. You, thank you, Be Joni. Safe. We'll, we'll see thank you on right. Sunday. Good, good night, Joni. Uh, okay, take care. I enjoyed it. Good, good choice, Michelle. I, I you know, I, I didn't yeah, like Michelle. the ending, but it was a, it, it was a good no, book read. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we, we had a nice discussion. It was a good discussion. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see you on right. Sunday and at World of Books. Thanks again. All right. Take All right. care. Take care. Bye bye.